On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realise where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink, but you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Hi there. I love this record of John's with Jesus' family at a wedding celebration. And if you know anything about the Jewish tradition, they celebrated in style. It went on literally for days. And so many people forget how social Jesus was. I, I grew up thinking Jesus was some kind of glow-in-the-dark kind of guy who kind of wore a white sheet and floated around like some holy Joe. But he was fully human and engaged with the realities of everyday life. And his mum's at the wedding. And in fact, she has been around for the, or will be around for the whole of the three years of his public ministry where he taught and transformed people's lives. So we read about his mother, his brother and sisters, or his stepbrothers and sisters, but we don't really read about Joseph. It's likely that Joseph died sometime between Jesus' teenage years and uh, here where he's 30. But as the eldest, he became the head of the family, so will have been taking care of his family up until now. He was very family-minded. His mum looks like she's been helping with the festivities and trying to spare the host the embarrassment of running out of wine. Uh, I even read somewhere that it was a finable offence to run out of food and drink at a wedding. No pressure there then. Though I'm not sure that that level of bulk buying would have gone down too well at the moment. So when a problem of provision arises, she turns to Jesus. And Jesus says, why do you involve me? My hour has not yet come. Jesus understood the timing of God for his life. He came at a certain time in history. He would minister at a certain time in his life. He knew his time to die would come early, but not until the right time. And he knew, or at least he trusted, that he would rise on the third day again. And his mom knew something of this from the prophecy that was given her when she was pregnant with him. So she says, do whatever he tells you. So Jesus tells the servants to take these six empty stone jars that the people would wash in. So definitely not for drinking water. And he says, fill them with water and take some of the water to the master of the banquet. And wow, it's wine, the best wine. I mean, can you imagine? Kind of just, just there with your water and you kind of, you're pouring it out and voila. Oh, that is so nice. Now, presumably Jesus would have turned water into wine. He could have done it without the servants and without the pots. 
but he chooses to involve other people so they can be part of the miracle as they do what he says. And wherever you are and whoever you are, you can be part of God's miracles as you step out with him to meet the needs of people's lives. Because not only is Jesus down to earth and socially engaged, but as we hang around him and as we trust him, we can expect to be involved in his miraculous interventions. There is nothing too big for his power and there is nothing too small for his love. I was chatting to a guy in Mosley one day and he looked pretty rough um, and he had a can of special brew in his hand. To be honest, it probably needed turning back into water uh, in that occasion. And he was quite argumentative. And I said, I don't want to argue with you, but can I pray for you? And he quietened and he said, yeah. And he listed a number of things that he wanted prayer for and some folks in his family as well. And I prayed for him then and there. And as I did, he started to weep and he started to tremble. And then he threw his can of special brew away. And I don't exactly know what God was doing, but he must have been ministering to him in some deep and real way. There is nothing too big for God's power. There is nothing too small for his love. So back to the wedding in Cana and the master of the banquet has no idea where this wine has come from. He's amazed. It is quality, quality stuff. Because everybody knows you start with a decent wine and then once everyone's had a few, then you can get away with the other stuff because people stop noticing, but not with this wine. And John describes this wonder in Cana as the first of the signs through which Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed him. John writes his gospel account with several of these signs, signs that point people to who Jesus really is. More than a man, more than a prophet even, someone somehow from heaven itself. And most of the signs are followed by an extract of Jesus' preaching and teaching, unpacking how the sign points to him. And if Jesus had unpacked this one, I wonder what he might have said. Perhaps he would have reminded people of the wine running out and pointed us to the reality that the world's joy runs out always, ultimately. When I studied biology, I had a lecture at uni once by a really engaging guy on dung fungi. Yeah, I know, fungus that grows on cowpats, the infamous country pancake. But he used a word few of us really knew. He talked about the ephemeral nature of the dung and hence the fungi. So we're looking at each other thinking, ah, that sounds like a good word, ephemeral. Well, we better write that down, we better look it up. Anyway, the exam comes up months later and there's an essay question on the dung fungi. Bingo. And nearly the whole class start off with a sentence with this word ephemeral in it. So the lecturer, who's just one of these guys who drops high fluting words into every conversation he ever has, is going through the paper afterwards with us, about 120 of us, and he's clocked that every single one of us has used his word. We've all spouted out an answer straight from our lecture notes. And the word means short-lived. It's here one day, but dried up the next. Now, maybe when it comes to cow poo, that is good news. Maybe you're pleased to hear that dung fungi aren't around for too long. You know, it has to grow quick, reproduce, and move on, almost on a daily basis. 
But the frustration is so much of life is like that. When we think we find something that gives us a bit of joy and then it's gone. It is so elusive. A hit from this, pleasure from that, even the joy of shopping and spending can be like that. And the current lockdown highlights the fragile nature of almost everything. Our health, employment, the economy and even life itself. The wine of this world runs out. But with Jesus, things can be different. He takes what is empty and miraculously fills it with choice wine and a joy that is new and ever satisfying. And the Bible often uses wine as, as a metaphor for joy and, and gladness of heart. Secondly, he might have said, the world offers you the best first and then once you're hooked, things start to get worse. Ever experienced that? It's common to all of us to varying degrees. A newfound freedom, it goes wrong. Fun of relationships turns sour. Try this experience and it goes from a high to a low. C.S. Lewis famously said, if I find myself, so if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. The signs John highlights in Jesus' life point to this other world, the kingdom of God, eternal life, life in all its fullness. And lastly, Jesus always had something to say to his people Israel and the religious leaders of his day. And in the Old Testament, the Israelites, the people of God, were married to God through a covenant. But they turned away and became unfaithful. But as a nation, they thought they could wash themselves clean before God in some ceremonial way to somehow rid themselves of this guilt. But here, even the six stone pots for washing yourself are empty. And later on, Jesus would say that it's not about cleaning yourself on the outside that matters. It's about being changed and cleansed on the inside because it's, it's out of our hearts that comes all the wrong. So forget about washing yourself clean. Forget about trying to do better in life. He says, simply trust what I have for you that will change you on the inside and fill you with real joy and true satisfaction. Now, I don't know if my words have made much sense to you today, but I know this, God will have been speaking to your heart today. Maybe you have a problem of provision. Bring your need to God. Maybe you want to be part of a Jesus miracle for others. Walk with him today. Maybe you see the transient, short-lived, ephemeral nature of the things that promise so much, yet deliver so little. Ask God to come and fill you with his life today. Maybe you've been carrying guilt. Thank Jesus for coming to give his life so that you can be fully cleansed, completely forgiven and transformed within. Though our sins are as scarlet, they shall be made white as snow, says the prophet Isaiah. Maybe today you want to start afresh with God. Here is a simple prayer that you can pray. Wherever you are, whoever you are, whatever you're going through, whatever you've done, please invite you to join me and like the water into wine, your life will be transformed. Here's the prayer. Lord Jesus, 
I'm sorry for going my own way and not trusting you. There might be some specifics that you want to say sorry for. Thank you that you came to this earth to show me how to live and to willingly give your life for me so I can be completely forgiven. Thank you so much. Please forgive me now and come and lead my life as I trust you. Amen. And if you've prayed that and you've meant that, he is pouring new wine into your life right now. Receive it.